Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're back. So first of all, I want to thank all of you guys who are taking action and are leaving us great reviews on Amazon for the book. I think, Julie, I haven't looked because I've been on coaching calls. Are we at 300 yet? I think we're at 300, aren't we're we? We're just Maybe. On, barely a tick under, but we're very close. Okay, so listen, guys. I think as of this morning, anyway, there were five hats left <laughs> for our free hat giveaway. And the way you get a free hat is easy. All you've got to do is just go to Amazon and leave a, um, a review for our book, Harris Rules. We wanted to have 300 by the end of business tomorrow. I'm 300 five-star reviews, which we should have. Um, and then in exchange for that, once you've done that, please just uh, send a link to the review. I know Amazon's throttling some of the reviews. They don't have them appear right away. So just if you can, you know, just send the link to the one uh, that you put in, whether it shows up live or not. Like I said, sometimes Amazon sits on them three or four days. Who knows why? That aside, clip the a link to the Amazon review and then email help at timandjulieharris.com, help at timandjulieharris.com, and uh, let me know, Let uh, rather let customer service know whether you want a black hat or a camo hat, and uh, yeah, you'll get one for free. And these are not cheap, crappy hats. These are high-end hats. Matter of fact, I've got a camo hat on now, <laughs> you know, and I wear this thing all day, basically. I put on the camo hat every morning because it reminds me I'm going into battle, you know. It's kind of a, it's a mindset. Keeps me frosty. Helps me to remember that Sometimes, you know, there's no better example of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it than the people in the military. I mean, how often are those guys asked to do things that are egregious, let alone things that actually might get them killed? So I think they're a good testament to uh, how I want all of us to behave professionally, because you know what? Uh, no matter, very, very unlikely that if you go and knock on that Fizbo's door, are they going to shoot you? You know, so look, I mean, Camo reminds me of that. That we could have be we could be in situations where, uh, yeah, doing what you didn't want to do when you didn't want to do it at the highest level had a totally different meaning. So we've got it easy. So Jolie, welcome to today's podcast. I know you've got some reviews yes. you'd like to read. I do. These are great reviews. Thank you guys so much for writing what you've written. I'm just going to share a few here. The first one by Max Futes, who writes, as a newer agent, I can't tell you how deflating it is to hear advice from other quote unsuccessful realtors that I know won't work in the long run. It's amazingly refreshing to be slapped in the face with, do what you don't wanna do when you don't wanna do it at the highest level. This book is just such a step-by-step -step guide for people who, like myself, need to be kicked in the butt from time to time with brutal honesty about what it takes to be successful. I will admit that I have purchased the audio book and downloaded it to my phone. I started listening to it in my car, but by day three, I was strictly at my desk so that I could take notes. I couldn't praise Tim and Julie higher and would recommend this book to any realtor, whether newbie or veteran, whether struggling or not. Thank you for that, Max. And someone calling themselves Noah's dad, which is nice. Uh, he writes, my name is uh, David from Maryland. I loved the book because it lays out the plan for the lazy and procrastinating real estate agent that I used to be. I have been a dual career agent for 20 years while teaching for 25. 
I have decided that I need to get serious, so after listening to the podcast every day since last summer and reading the book, I made a commitment to set goals in my real estate business of 15 sales this year while working my center of influence, expireds, withdrawns, and open houses. Thanks, Tim and Julie. All right, shall we do one more or save them for Yeah, no, the next I mean, one, the, the uh, teacher is a good one, too, the next one. Good. I was reading ahead. All right, let's yeah, see. go ahead. Okay. Uh, the title of this one, this is by Joe, a must-read for top producer or a new kid on the block. Joe writes, my wife is a seasoned agent while I have recently gotten my broker's license. This book is equally important to both of us. She turned me onto the podcast, and then I ordered the book for her, LOL, thinking it would be full of wonderful insight, and it was for both of us. Now I come home from my morning walk, I bought the Audible version too, and she can see that I'm fired up with some great planner strategy that I've learned from the book. Now, we often joke about, quote, WWTAJS, which stands for what, and t what would Tim and Julie say, when discussing client sales and marketing scenarios. A must read if you are a new or a seasoned agent, what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Truer words have never been spoken. Thank you. And he even included a picture of his real estate sign. So that's all good. Thank you to Joe and to Noah's dad and to Max for those three great reviews. Back to you, Tim. Well, there's a lot more, and I'm sorry if we're not going to have time to read them. We could, you know, I think since yesterday we picked up, you know, almost 10. So, yeah, if we're not reading them today, we'll read them tomorrow or the next day. But thank you guys for taking the time. We do sincerely appreciate it. And I am looking forward to uh, having you guys send us in pictures of you guys wearing your hats. So, you know, it's something fun, something to, you know, give you something to look forward to arriving in the mail. Um, and the funny thing is Julie and I will probably be doing the fulfillment on these 20 hats ourselves, but that's okay. <laughs> our, our staff was like, what? You guys are going to do the actual mailing? Yeah, we're going to go to fax. We know where it is. We could put shit in boxes. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, we can handle it. So listen, guys, we believe that all of you should have your first spoke be your centers of influence in past clients. I realize that not only, no, that doesn't always work for all kinds of reasons. You're not from the community. You're just different things happen. I get it. But the reality of it is, is that always that should be your first spoke. Why? Because it's the easiest spoke to form. Now, your first spoke does not mean your only spoke, and it does not also mean you're the only spoke you ever form. That's the mistake that, frankly, most of you fall into. You always have to be adding other spokes onto your lead generation wheel. Uh, and longtime listeners, you know what I'm talking about, new listeners, it essentially you, the visual for yourself really briefly is – Basically, a bicycle wheel with lots of spokes has more structural integrity than a bicycle wheel with one spoke. And if you're rolling down the road and your one spoke wheel hits a little pebble, that wheel is going to collapse. Well, that's in essence what a lot of you guys experience when you only have one spoke. Some of you are having your only spoke being bought buyer leads. Some of you are having your only spoke being, like I said, centers of influence and past clients. The best wheel is going to have more spokes, but you can have too many spokes. And if you have too many spokes, then you also run into a problem of not taking you know, well enough care of each of them. And then you run into integrity issues there as well. So in most businesses, and this is from all the top producers we've ever coached, when you drill down and you figure out where all their deals come from, it usually comes from five, different, five to seven different sources. Original or initial spokes should not be paid. The original or initial spokes should be earned. They should be the ones that you proactively go after. And as your uh, business gets bigger, then you can start doing things like maybe geographic farming and you can start doing things like that. But the reason that we have you guys do it in that order is quite simple. The passive shit doesn't work as well. That's it. And it costs money. So here you are, basically, many of you are going into debt to buy leads and you're wondering what the heck is happening, even though everyone's telling you that's what you're supposed to do, except us. I get that. Well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to end up with no deals or virtually no deals, a lot of debt, 
and you're going to figure out that you would have been better off literally making, you know, ice cream cones at Dairy Queen uh, for what the amount of money you earn per hour. And that happens to agents all the time. And I know I'm, I'm saying things like that to try to make you guys laugh, but I'm also trying to get you to be introspective and kind of challenge yourself in some of the things that you're being told. People don't think like this generally. Brokers, office managers, their job is not to help you guys build your businesses. Their job is not to provide you guys leads. Their job is to keep your asses out of legal trouble, right? And answer any questions you have about uh, contracts and procedural stuff and making sure you get your paperwork in on time. It's your job to go out and learn how to actually create a business. You are a small business owner. If you don't see yourself as that, if you think, I'm an ABC agent, that means nothing. It means nothing. The ABC company is not going to bail you out when you can't make your mortgage payment or when you don't have money to buy your kids, you know, Christmas presents or you don't have, you guys get the point. So I'm, you know, saying this because again, probably of the 126,000 of you who I think are listening today, probably half of you have been in the business for less than five years and you do not understand the fact that your broker's office manager's job is not to help you build your business or help you, uh, you know, basically send you leads. Their job. It's, as I described, your job is to learn how to be a fantastic salesperson and a basic one, business 101 uh, mindset uh, You know, lead about lead generation should be five to seven lead generators. The first lead generators always have to be those that you are proactively creating yourself. The first spoke that we will always tell you to forum and the 1% time that it's not relevant, let's not even talk about that today. But the first spoke will always tell you to forum is your centers of influence of past clients. But some of you guys screw that up too. Why? Because you try to shortchange it. You try to look for hall passes. You try to be lazy about your centers of influence and past clients. And so what Julie's going to do, hopefully without me interrupting, I'll do my best, is she's going to go through five ways that you guys are screwing up your centers of influence and past clients and you're not getting results from it. So Ms. Julie, without any other delays. Yes, indeed. And this focus is mainly on building your center of influence list. Remember the 10% rule a minimum return on your list every year. That means that when you've got a database of 100 past clients and centers of influence, you should have a relatively easy 10 deals, assuming that you're doing this right. In other words, 10 people from that list will either do business or refer their friends and family to you. Most of our longtime podcast listeners and certainly our coaching clients, because we have a lot of coaching on this, get more like a 30% return. And we even have some clients that are quite a bit higher than that because they've become so good at this. So it's definitely something not to screw up. So becoming a profitable networker takes time, effort, and skill. Building your center of influence takes actual work. It requires you step out of your comfort zone for most of you. And many agents and brokers still struggle with this. So as head coach, I am always helping you guys build your center of influence, work the database, polish your repeat and referral spoke. This is the foundational spoke of any strong real estate practice. And I can tell you that whether you intend for it to be or not, proof that it's a foundational spoke is think about your first deals you've ever done. They were almost all friends and family, weren't they? That's true of virtually everyone. So even if that's not true, if you could choose your next deal or your next five deals, your next 50 deals, wouldn't it be a referral, a repeat client, or somebody who already trusts you? Of course it would. But what if you're out there doing your best and it's not working for you? You could be making one of these five common networking mistakes. Number one, this is probably, we could probably do a whole show on this, but mistake number one with networking, calling it in, texting it in, emailing it in. The best, most effective networking is still face-to-face. -face. 
in an age where technology allows us to do everything online, we've got to remember that there's no substitute for introducing yourself to somebody in person. When you meet people in person, you get a better read on who they are as well. Even if you feel you won't be good at networking events, challenge yourself to get out there and do them anyway. Even if you start out by just talking to one or two people while you get used to this, build rapport, genuinely get to know people. It's okay if you feel awkward at first. With practice, you're going to become more at ease. It's much more effective. So instead of just saying, here's the mistake, here's how to fix it. And Tim, feel free to interrupt me and hover if you'd like. Well, what is, Julie, what is, what is building genuine, what do you mean by that? I mean, drill down on that. What do you mean by building genuine rapport? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, so there's a difference between just like this mistake, calling it in, you know, like maybe you show up to an event, but you don't talk to anybody. Maybe you don't even show up. You just get the database. You get somebody's, you know, networking list, or you get a spreadsheet of people who belong to a certain club, and you decide to put them on your little drip system. But nobody even knows who you are, so they never open your email. So that's the mistake is basically not making the effort. How to fix it, point A, realize that social media like Facebook, Instagram, etc., is there to support your networking, not to replace it. Some of you guys think that social media is a spoke. It's not. It's a support to a spoke. Point B, in-person networking and, on and the on-purpose expansion of your center of influence takes more consistent effort in more diverse areas than you think. You must be committed to the ongoing process. This is not a subconscious, it'll come when it comes. How many times, Tim, on coaching calls, especially early on in the relationship, have agents said, well, you know, somehow I just seem to get referrals. A lot of my business just comes from people I know. Well, that's not Julie, really consciously at, going after it. Go ahead. Look at your private, look at your private chat. So, guys, here's, here's some ways that you can, um, you know, basically some great networking groups to get you into motion. And then Julie's going to go back and review, and she's going to drill down on what she meant about calling it in. So here's a list of networking organizations you guys can get involved in right away. And this is a list of companies or organizations that we know for a fact are going to be powerful for you to expand. Now, these are generally speaking, these are business networking in, uh, organizations. The, the uh, non-business ones, we can go over relatively quick. But uh, the way to make yourself comfortable when you're going to do something like this, whether it's a business one or, or otherwise, is basically just be you talking about real estate. Don't try to be somebody else. I know that sounds like one of the stupid things you'd read on a motivational poster, but we're going to give you a specific how-to in a second. So here's a great one, Provisors. On the West Coast, Provisors is a huge source for referrals if you join one of those organizations. You can't just join one. You have to audition to be part of one. Don't let your ego stand in your way of trying to get in. Some of my, uh, frankly, my most successful West Coast agents gets lots of business from uh, Provisors. Uh, BNI, and now that's one that's really prevalent in the Midwest, but BNI, Business Networking International, Toastmasters.org, uh, Habitat.org. Uh, we've personally never done anything with them, but I've heard a lot of good things about them. Habitat.org, Redcross.org, Rotary.org. Rotary, again, is mostly a, a Midwest thing. But if you expand outside of um, your those business type ideas, you also have like, oh, you have a YPO, YEO. You write all these down. You have other uh, things you could do networking inside the Girl Scouts. How about the Boy Scouts? You could network inside kids' softball teams. You could network inside your – there was a gal that we used to compete with in New Albany, great agent. She's still in business, fantastic, probably one of the best agents certainly in the Midwest, if not the country, named Sandy Raines. And she got a ton of business out of her daughter's swim team. 
So there's so many different ways you guys can go. How about a local women's networking group? Country clubs usually have lots of little private organizations. And you, you don't always have to live in the country club community to belong to the country club. You know, you can have a social membership and then you can get to know people that way as well. You guys just have to get out of your own way. Now, Julie is going to give you some breakdowns of how some of you are socially awkward. And so we're going to rel go relatively quick through the framework of how to have conversations, even if you see yourself as an introvert. Because here's the thing, whether you are an introverted dork who just prefer to spend all their time by themselves, you still, if you're being honest, really do want to have human interaction, but the human interaction makes you uncomfortable. Why does it make you uncomfortable? Because you spend too much time analyzing in your head about that interaction, but then when you're in it, you're analyzing in your head what you're saying, whether or not what you're saying is, it makes sense, whether, what, what you should be saying, blah, 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 blah. Your brain does not stop. It fills with all this other data that causes you to basically just shut down and do nothing, and you just sit there by yourself, or you just don't even put yourself in the uh, opportunity in, in the environment to network in the first place. So Julie's going to give you some suggestions right now on how to, how to game that before we get formally to point number two. Yeah, well, so the Ford Memory Jogger, I think, is what you're referring to. And I love the Ford Memory Jogger. F-O-R-D stands for things to talk about, family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. It works for everyone because the more confident, maybe potentially egotistical-sounding agents tend to talk too much about themselves. The more introverted tend to not say anything at all, so this helps everybody. Use your memory jogger, family, occupation, recreation, dreams, to talk about the prospect, to make it all about them. This disallows your ego from running the show. We're trying to build mutual relationships, not make it all about you. So one of the things that we do in our premier coaching class when people are working on this and training themselves, because Ford is not a script, it's a memory jogger, but it's easy for you to start using it. Here's the assignment. Write down family, occupation, recreation, dreams, and memorize that. That's what Ford stands for. And family, three or four, three or four sisters, questions in each fast. category. Go ahead. Yep. Family, occupation, recreation, dreams. So here's the premise. You are going to be a question asker. You're not going to be someone that's going to talk about themselves. Your goal is to ask questions, to get to know people, but you're going to get them to talk about the things they like to talk about the most, which is themselves and their own families and their own lives. There are so few people in the world. Notice, and this is just mentally, you guys have all been in a situation where people basically are only half-assed listening to what you're saying, and they're just urgently waiting for you to stop talking so they can start talking about themselves. How many people do you know about that? Know like that? Oh, I know the answer. Everybody. So if you become the person that is good at asking questions and listening and showing sincere interest in what they're saying, and your questions are going to, like, you know, Again, it's family, occupation, recreation, dreams. So the first series of questions or conversation memory joggers, as Julie likes to say, those are going to be about their family. Don't just say, how many kids do you have? Where are you from? Ask follow-up questions. Drill down. They'll give you little hooks because they want to talk about it. They want to just, you know, everybody wants to talk about themselves. It, that's something that you need to understand is a basic human need, and you cannot let that human need on yourself dominate a conversation because then they won't want to talk with you. So what happens is if you become the person that asks questions, if you become the person that shows interest in the other person and you do that as a lifestyle, you will become the person everybody wants to talk to because they always feel good when they talk uh, to you because why? You're showing interest in them that nobody else does because most everyone else just wants to talk about themselves. You guys get it? You know, I just to kind of put this, frame this out. 
How many people, when was the last time you actually had a conversation with anybody who showed any real sincere interest in you? Think about that. Maybe your mom, if she calls you on Saturday morning, you know, maybe your best friend, probably, maybe. if you have one. But who? Your dog. Your dog does. I look at, Yeah. If you have a nice dog, he shows sincere interest in you. But other than that, nobody does. We're in this neurotic, narcissistic world where, you know, Facebook is just a per perfect example of it. It's basically neurotic and narcissistic. Everyone's talking about themselves in one version or another. That's all it is, is talking about themselves. Okay, fine. Whatever. We're not going to change it. So let's just understand it and let's try to work within it. And the way we do that is we learn to be great question askers. And when we do that, we become people that, that people be magnetized to us. They'll want to be around us because you're making them feel good because you're showing interest. So that is the reason that Ford works, Julie. Yes. So it's not enough to just memorize what it stands for and what those topics of discussion are, family, occupation, recreation, dreams. You've got to do what Tim just said. Train yourself to ask questions about those four categories family. So when you meet somebody new, you can ask a family question. Everyone has a family. Did you grow up here or did your family move here from somewhere else? Oh, that's interesting. What caused you to move here? So that's a family question. If you already know their family, let's say it's a past client, and you know that their kids just started school this year, you can say, well, how does, uh, how does Emily liking her new school? Okay, that's a family question. Occupation, if you know where they work, you can say, how's life over working for Dell? How's that going for you? If you don't know what they do, you can ask them, what is it you do for a living? Notice how I'm asking what, who, when, how, and why questions, because that causes conversation, not you know, questions that end with a yes or a no and no discussion. Remember that the people you're talking to also might be introverts who are also socially awkward in some cases. So cause them to give you a better answer which creates more conversation and you can genuinely get to know somebody. Recreation could be something as simple as what was the best movie that you, that you saw uh, over the holidays or over the summer, okay? And you almost never get to dreams. It depends on how well you know them, but that gives you a trajectory of where you're going. Dreams could be what are you most looking forward to this year? So get used to asking these questions under those categories. Again, it's when not you a guys specific script. It's a guideline. Go ahead. When you, when you meet somebody, it doesn't matter what profession that they're in, and they're really successful, like the top of their game, um, you guys will see that they always have this mastered and it's become intuitive. Uh, you will hear stories about uh, you know, be people talking about these people with this X factor. You read books and this you know, person had this certain je ne sais quoi or they had this certain wow thing or when people walk, when they walked in the room, everyone, you know. Okay, well, why? Because they probably looked a certain way. They probably dressed professionally. But really, the main reason was is because they're really good at Ford. Now, if you would ask them, why is it that everyone's attracted to you? Why is it everyone thinks so highly of you? They would have said, well, it's because I listened to a podcast 30 years ago and I learned about Ford. No, they do it intuitively. So if you guys want to be like that, if you want to have even a, a, a slight element of that, learn to be great question askers. One of the things that Julie and I have done personally that hopefully will help you guys is we have developed a certain physiological reaction where bile <laughs> forms in our mouths if we find ourselves talking about ourselves. Now, we will do it for a limited amount of time, but we do not like at all. And it's not false humility either. It's because we know that it's very easy to let your ego start to basically get out of control when you, start, when you talk about yourself. And really, what's the point? People want to talk about themselves anyway. And if your goal is to make friends, ask them questions about themselves. 
make them feel good. Show sincere interest. When they say something, ask a follow-up question. You will find something. You know, here's another little funny thing. A lot of people wear, um, you know, T-shirts with, you know, different sayings and whatnot on it. Different little, just little, they'll give you a little, even the most introverted weirdo is going to give you some kind of little visual, maybe it's a hat, maybe whatever. Yeah, Star Wars, you know, or, you, you know, there's this gal at OTF who never talks to anyone and Julie knows she's wearing a, Ohio State t-shirt and Julie and I went to Ohio State and you know here we are in Texas it's not often you run into someone with an OSU t-shirt and you know sure enough there you go so Julie and her friends that was the easy conversation starter Um, and so those types of things a lot of this uh, for some of you seems intuitive and that's great but for many of you I would say 90% of you this is where you get stuck even the greatest prospecting agent will not necessarily be good at networking why am I telling you this why are Julie and I drilling down still on point number one well, the simple fact is, is that when you start going to these business networking things, you can't just show up and call it in and be lazy. You're going to have to go there and work. You're going to have to go there with the, and just use Ford as your, so you can have that as in your mind so you don't have to stress out and overanalyze. You guys get it? This helps you tremendously. This will work in any situation you're ever in. You're stuck in line someplace or and it doesn't matter. Always remember Ford, family, occupation, recreation, dreams, and talk about them. Ask questions about them. The time will go faster. You'll make a friend. And for some reason, when the time comes that you guys have to part, they will love you. <laughs> They'll start sending you Christmas cards just because you had a 20 minute conversation stuck in line at Starbucks and you made them feel good because you showed sincere interest in them. Are you paying attention, listeners? Are you paying attention? Julie, I would say that even though this is a very basic thing, that if they don't get this, nothing else is going to work as far as prospecting. Nothing else is really going to work well, as far as business. Yeah, it's kind of a survival thing, right? I mean, I I use it all the time. I'm going to use it this afternoon. I'm going to have coffee with one of our new friends from Orange Theory. I don't know her very well. I'm going to go straight to Ford. I'm going to ask her Ford questions. It's going to keep the conversation going. I'm going to get to know her better. And I always remember the, I think it was a Maya Angelou quote who said, uh, they will forget, people forget what you say, they remember how you make them feel. So how do you make people feel good? You get them talking about themselves, you make it all about them. So that was the, the Ford memory jogger was all about point number two, which really is you know expecting something without really getting into rapport with somebody, that's a mistake. Mistake number three is expecting to get instant referral. You don't need to place your own. Well, you don't need to place that we just t- Number two was Ford, we just, you didn't realize that was okay. number two. But that's, so mistake number three was expecting to get something before or without giving something of value. So going to networking events, talking to people, and instantly expecting them to list their property with you, for example. It's tempting to think of networking as a chance to make your pitch. I'll find five people in the room, I'll tell them I'm an expert, and I'll get their listings. But networking is give and take. The give must come first. Work on developing a relationship. When you do, your posi- you position yourself amongst successful people whose influence can help you go far. That's true, but your job is to build a reputation for being helpful within your network, and people will be keen to help you in return. Answer when people ask for help, then go further to discover what they need and provide it proactively. Be of service first. So if you're in a BNI group, for example, and one of your friends owns a window washing company, Send, you know, when you've got a filthy house that needs help and they need their windows washed, send them the business. Make sure they know that it came from you. 
If you've got an insurance agent in your group, send them your homeowner's insurance uh, business. It just makes sense. Don't expect to get the world in return for not giving anything. You have to do this consciously. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Nope, but since you only have one point left, go ahead and get it done. All right, so mistake number four, focusing on quantity over quality. Too many people treat networking as a numbers game, collecting contact information without getting to know anyone. I saw a post on Facebook, uh, Tim, after one of these big real estate events. This agent had collected this giant mound of business cards and was like, this was my success. Now, I think it was successful assuming they talked to everyone that they got a card out of, but what are they going to do with it? It's not just about collecting contact information. People and act that, as if so there was a prize for collecting the most cards. Go ahead. Right. And so, Julie, get ready for point number five. So, guys, here's the bottom line. Uh, you have to call them. Just dumping them in a CRM and mailing them something or emailing right. them, that is what everyone does, and it will never work as well, if at all, as it will picking up the phone and networking them. Try to go out and get to know them. Try to really literally befriend them. That's how you form a real center of influence and past client list. Point number five, Julie. All right. Mistake number five, failing to show up. Okay. You go to an event, you make great connections, and then you let follow them fade up. away without anything about it. So following up or failing to follow up is a mistake. Following up is the key. Without it, going to your events, fostering connections is a total waste of time. So create a plan to follow up. Do your part to steer your new relationships towards mutually beneficial territory. Failing to follow up means missed opportunity to develop your meaningful, profitable connections. So when you do this right, it's about building relationships, not just one conversation once and throw them into your little drip system. It should always be about giving before you receive. And so you've got homework to do. To three to five weekly meetups or events to expand your center of influence, because remember, 10% of 500 people is better than 10% of 10 people. Concentrate on three categories to build your center of influence, personal interests, charitable work, and business networking. A powerful combination, for example, might be church or synagogue. Lots of you guys are great at networking amongst your crowd that you are used to seeing every week, plus an adult soccer league or something physical, maybe Orange Theory Fitness, for example. Then you add Rotary, BNI, or Chamber of Commerce. Maybe you get yourself on an architectural review committee or a homeowners association board, something housing related in other words. The combination of charitable work, business networking, and things you're already interested in, that's your powerful network. I always say stuff you're interested in anyway because you're more likely to go to it and actually get to know people and then add other things like charity work and you know, housing-related things like maybe um, Habitat.org, but certainly things that are going on in your community. If you're on the Architectural Review Committee, you're going to know who's rehabbing houses in town, aren't you? So I'm going to toss it to you, Tim, because I'm almost late for premiere. Back to you. Well, so where does this, where's the rubber meet the road? And this is the reason we drilled down so much on basically helping you guys to formulate conversations that have meaningful relationships as the goal. I want you to think about really this simple question. When you, it's Saturday morning, and, you know, there's things going on in your life, of course, but for the most part, it's not as hectic as it is, say, on a Monday morning or a Wednesday morning. You've relaxed a little bit. Yeah, I know you got some things to do, but it is what it is. Who calls you on Saturday morning or on Sunday morning? Sunday morning might even be a better way of thinking about this, but who calls you? Who calls you? Virtually nobody. Isn't that interesting? Why? Why does nobody call you? Who is it that you would like to have that you'd like to hear from? I know who. Someone you know, care, or love someone who actually has a meaning to you in your life. There's not that many of them in your, at the end of the day. All of us 
have, a, you know, depending on how you want to see what you're, define what the word friend is, some of us have hundreds of friends. You can't really have thousands of friends. But really, if you're being honest, if you're lucky, you have a core group of three to five people. Wouldn't you love to hear from them? Wouldn't you love sometimes relatives, right? Wouldn't you love just to have a nice conversation where someone showed some sincere interest in you, someone asked how it was going, and then actually listened to what you had to say and maybe had something to contribute? When was the last time you had a conversation like that with anybody? I pretty much can guarantee you, other than your kids, or if you're you know, well-tuned into your adult children, maybe them as well, but for the most part, nobody has conversations like that. Coaches do. I do that for a living, so it's Julie. But the reality of it is, is that for the most part, that none of you have meaningful conversations like that anymore. And let's not worry about the why. Who cares about the why? You need to be the person that's having meaningful conversations. You need to be the person that when people see your phone number on their caller ID, they're like wanting to talk to you because you make them feel good. The way you make people feel good is you ask them questions about themselves, sincere questions, and you show interest. When you do that, guys, your life pivots. The world changes for you. You become actually in tune to being of service to other folks, and you start feeling that connection that you really want. That connection that you want to feel that you have towards people, once you realize that that can be something you can have with more than just three to five people, then you're going to stop being so selfish. Then you're going to stop listening to your ego tell you and overanalyze and have all these crazy erratic thoughts. Then you're going to realize the world is full of people that are just like you experiencing exactly what you're experiencing that would love to befriend you. And look, they're not going to require a lot of your time, but if you see them now and then, wouldn't it be nice to look forward to saying hello? Guys, get to be that person. So many of us, again, have this neurotic approach to relationships, and we expect something for nothing. People are not going to give a shit about you until you give a shit about them. And it can't be faked. That can't be faked. So forward, guys, and go through the rest of these points. Hopefully this resonates with some of you. I know it doesn't with all of you. Why? Because we're asking you, as we always do on every show, to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. We're asking you to get out of your own way. We're asking you to possibly make yourself uncomfortable and learn how to basically talk to strangers. We're asking you to actually be in alignment with what I think all of you want to be, which is really a truly professional, caring, uh, professional person who is there to be of service to other people. And when you do that, guys, here's what happens. When you have that approach and when you start feeling that way, the doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, that always is going to be omnipresent, which means present all the time in your life, but it's not going to have the same bite to it. It's not going to be hard to do. It's going to be something you look forward to doing. Does this make sense, guys? Let us know. Tim at timandjulieharris.com or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. If there's ever anything we can do for you guys in any way, please just reach out to us. And remember, we are in a blessed industry, living in a blessed time. Uh, don't let any of the political, you know, any of that stuff spoil your, your mindset. The reality of it is, is we are all very blessed to be alive at this time, coexisting on this planet. You know, the 100,000 of you that are listening to this right now, just know that you guys are all living an amazing life. It's your opportunity while you're alive on this planet to really make the most of it. And the way you make the most of it is you make the most of it by adopting those two dominant mindsets, being of service to other people and learning to embrace the doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Everything after that is easy. It really is. And it's fun. And you start realizing what I'm saying is true. So if your emotions every day are telling you that you're carrying some incredibly heavy burden, chances are you need to shift your mindset a little bit. So if there's anything we can do for you, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Tim at, or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. 
You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.